you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL Podcast. Turn down $100 million for its exclusive podcast rights. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, what is up, boys? Flagship show. Big show. Big week. Great early games. But I do want to say before we move on, if anyone's listening that wants to pay us even a fraction of that sort of money, like come at us with an offer. Because that was untrue, what, what uh, Matt right. Smith said. We, we might very quickly down. agree to a, 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 a far truncated deal very to what available. was just announced. Yes. It's all about <laughs> leverage. We have zero leverage right now. What we're looking for is leverage. Um, ha, ha, ha. Funny, funny, funny. Yes. Week seven, Sunday, in the books. And a uh, bit of a wild Sunday. Uh, some surprising outcomes, some blowouts. In the late portion of the Sunday schedule, uh, but uh, we are down to two undefeated teams now, uh, one winless team, unfortunately a team that I identify with very closely, and um, some interesting football to go over, Greg. What did you think of uh, today's football? I mean, um, when you can assign yourself Washington uh, versus Dallas and Detroit, Atlanta early, it's like you've got your finger on the pulse of what's happening <laughs> in the NFL. I mean, That's you did that did. intentionally, Greg. No, you I did. I enjoyed him. I enjoyed it. That. I did. I yeah. made a trade with Shook, who's going to come on later. Um, but no, it was a fun day. It's like, when, uh, it's like when the Jets gave the Colts 77 second round picks for Sam Darnold. You know, sometimes <laughs> Greg you know, texted me on after our, our network show um, I saying I would really like um, to switch I didn't want to watch Shook. the Saints game. I don't know why. I just I just wanted to watch. He, that well, he went and suggested that he switch with Shook. And I said, that, absolutely. Like reach out to Shook and do the legwork. And then he's I like, did. well, now actually, I don't think I want to do that. 
I'm overthinking it. And then we never spoke again. And then he tells me this morning go. that, you know, the backwater channels were, were uh, a buzz as Greg is trading with Shook <laughs> Games without uh, any of I changed my mind again. You know, sometimes you guys you go like mind. more in detail right. on I how know. you chose Mark, these games. Mark, like, Mark kept it going. Like, I had already I, gone too long. Uh, just, edit, I edit it out. Edit no, it out. This, I'm not touching it. Oh, like, no, this is me? gold, Greg. Yeah. This is podcast. Remember when the, the remember when the um the uh you know our analytics expert here i'm not gonna even name him because i'm kind of mocking it here now is like you know make sure no matter what you do it's like the first five minutes of the show don't le- lose them with some jibber jabber like get right into the big stuff that's when you <laughs> lose that audience mission accomplished hey, whenever, whenever we have like 13 games to talk about if we can just like bury the audience with seven minutes of jibber jabber that's what we're gonna do nick shook is coming later uh he of the big trade win over rosenthal uh, so stay tuned for that. But let's get going with, yes, the matchup in Nashville between two undefeateds. It's do or die for the Titans who have one timeout in their pocket. And Guskowski in this range this year as he kicks it on its way. The kick is wide right. It is no good. All right. <laughs> wow, I can't even hardly believe it. <laughs> what a nice Midwestern sound that was. Bill Hillgrove, Tunch Ilkin with a call, WDVE. Hey, listen, sometimes it's better to be uh, lucky than good. The Titans badly outplayed the Steelers in the second half on Sunday, but a slow start coupled with the latest high-profile failure by Steven Kaskowski allowed the Steelers to escape with a 27-24 win. Pittsburgh is 6-0 for the first time since 1978 and now stand with the Seahawks as the only remaining undefeated teams in the NFL. Um, Boys, uh, strange uh, game here because it's Steelers win the coin toss. They go on a nine-minute, 18-second drive. Ends with a Deontay Johnson touchdown. Uh, They get a three and out. Pittsburgh does get the ball back. Score another touchdown. It's 14-zip. They're in complete control. It gets, by the third quarter, it's 27-7. And, you know, my eyes start wandering. I'm saying, oh, what's going on in the NFL? Marks Browns are having some fun with the Bengals. Like, but then all of a sudden the Titans start doing the Titan thing and they get back into the game and uh, they fall short because Kuskowski can't hit a kick that he's got to hit in that spot. So that's where we're at. The, the Steelers, to me, um, as good as they looked in the first half, uh, the second half was a little bit concerning, but... Listen, you can't take away what they did in those first two quarters. Ben Roethlisberger looked really good in the first half, did not look very good in the second half. Uh, James Conner is really doing good things for them uh, this season. I've really been impressed by him so far this year. And um, the defense was able to uh, make enough stops, even if it wasn't their best effort, to get the W. So the Steelers moved to 6-0. and The Titans, they're kicking themselves because they had a golden opportunity here. Uh, for a, a huge comeback, and what a comeback that would have been down 27-7 to the mighty Steelers. It didn't happen, and they're, they're, the reason they lost third downs, Titans were unable to stop the Steelers uh, on third downs. Pittsburgh, 13 of 18 third downs in the game, and they only had the ball for one minute and 21 seconds in the first quarter, so keeping the offense off the field was huge for Pittsburgh. I thought they took in the in the first half Tennessee out of their game, and you know it, this is a team that's played three games in thirteen days, and it showed a little bit I thought um, early on here. But we've talked about Big Ben's various troubles on on deep shots down the field, but what he's doing very well is carving defenses up 
uh, mid-range. And I think that they just this just strikes me as the most complete team um, in the AFC and maybe in the league because mm. of what they can do on defense. But also, you know, they got one catch from Chase Claypool today. And so in return, you know, Deontay Johnson steps up. You mentioned James Conner, I thought. You know, he's been up and down, but he made big plays for them. And Tennessee, to come back from a 27-7 to deficit the way they did, um, I thought it was impressive. You know, Guskowski's been a real roller coaster ride, a true adventure, and you got the, the dip today, um, the ugly part of that. But to me, Tennessee, this doesn't take the shine off of who they are and what they want to be. They just had a first half where they played uncharacteristically. I mean, I think they had like 30 yards on the ground. Well, last two weeks for Guskowski, so that's something that they're going to have to think about. I know he hit a big kick at the end of the game, but he had his struggles last week. I, I see this as as a Steelers defense game. Even in the, in the second half, the fact that uh, you know they got the ball on um, a Ben interception, and then the Steelers defense shuts down Tennessee. That was one of six drives. So, so Tennessee had ten drives in this game. On six of them, they didn't have a first down. I mean, that, I, I know they scored some points on the other drives, but it's 2020, and the Titans are awesome. They only end up with 15 first downs on the day. If you have six drives where you go three and out or four and out, uh, like some of those drives were, I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive, and you would expect the Steelers to take care of business when they do that. Yeah, I was really excited to um, do like a reverse windmill dunk on your uh, Ben Roethlisberger game manager assassination from Thursday's show, Greg, and... After the first four drives, it was two weeks ago, it wasn't. I'm not painting it as negative as you saying. I'm just saying that's kind of the style they're playing. I know, but through four, four drives against an undefeated Titans team on the road, Pittsburgh had put up 24 points, and Ben was 17 of 24 for 160 and two touchdowns. But were those Best. deep shots, or were they the pew 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 no, to Dante uh, Johnson? You know, I think short and and mid mid range shots. Yeah, so that's kind of his his game, uh, which I guess is to your point of the big breeze. Uh, uh, moniker that you've tagged him with as well. Uh, the rest of the game after those first four drives, three points, 15 to 25, uh, three interceptions. The, the first pick was just, a, you know, he threw it up for grabs at the end of the first half, but the uh, last two uh, were definitely on him. Although the third pick, the one that set up the, the Titans to nearly tie the game uh, was Juju Smith-Schuster in coverage against the linebacker, you know, running a route against the linebacker, couldn't get any separation. I don't know what's going on with Juju. Is he just not a guy that separates? I don't know. Uh, but uh, Ben put it in a really good spot. Uh, mm. But Juju, the coverage was so tight that he couldn't like hold on to the ball and it got knocked out of his hands and then picked off on the deflection. So nice win for the Steelers, but also, you know, the, the shot of Big Ben on the sideline after Gaskowski went wide right was one of, oh, we got away with one here. Uh, because that that could have been a killer loss, uh, but they escape it, and uh, man, they're looking good. I think we're going to get to the Bucks in a bit, Mark. That's my pick for the most balanced team in the league right now. Yeah, me too. Uh, but the Steelers, when things are clicking right as they were early in this game, it is a reminder that their top gear is pretty much ahead of everybody else. I think in the AFC, uh, maybe the Chiefs have something to say about that. Let's move on. Kareem Hunt in the backfield. Two receivers left, one right. Mayfield back to pass. Looks going towards the end zone, and it's caught by Donovan Peoples-Jones. Touchdown! He got it! He got it! The rookie from Michigan got it with 11 seconds left to go! A back shoulder throw. Unbelievable catch. Unbelievable throw. (laughs) 
Jim Donovan and Doug Deacon, WKRK. I can't believe Donovan Peoples Jones is a real name. Like I'm, I'm thrilled that that there's a person that goes by that name. It's like that old Key and Peele sketch. Like that's what that name sounds like. But uh, he made a name for himself today. Baker Mayfield hits Donovan Peoples Jones. Also a name you also you always have to say the full name because it's so wild. With 11 <laughs> seconds to play, sealing a wild 35-31 win over the Bengals. Uh, this also featured, after that play, a Hail Mary that very nearly uh, completed that would have been a fitting way to a wild game. Mark, per the Elias Sports Bureau, this is the first game in NFL history with five go-ahead touchdown passes in the fourth quarter by the wow. two teams. Mark, the cardiac kids are back. Yeah, it's um, it was it was a game of of two. It was two sides of a coin for Cleveland because Baker Mayfield, you know, and he has had his troubles in the last couple contests. We know that started zero for five, um, and, and for the second game in a row, threw an interception on the first play, and and that brought more news because on that play, Odell Beckham. One of the reasons Donovan Peoples Jones was you know in mm. there at the end was that Odell Beckham went down with a knee injury that Ian Rappaport has. Um, put a tweet out saying he'll get an MRI, but the concern is that it's very serious, and I think we usually know how those go when we get those Sunday reports. He was out of the game immediately. Um, Baker, at when he hit, hit missed his first, his fifth pass, I tweeted out because at that point, Joe Burrow looked lights out, and we've been seeing it week after week that is Cleveland okay with having the fourth best quarterback in the <laughs> AFC North? And then, and then he, well, no, you've been because jumping ship like crazy the last week or so. I'm not really jumping ship. Just look at the other quarterbacks in the division. I mean, I, I, I don't think he's the equal of Joe Burrow, but um, perhaps mm. psychically to lash me and, and, and to shut me up. He completed 21 passes in a row to finish <laughs> the game before spiking the ball um, on the at the end. And. Uh, he looked good. He looked good throwing the ball, I thought, today. Um, he made some money throws. And on that final drive, what, what, what to me looked like growth was they had no timeouts. And he had to go you know, near length of the field with no timeouts. And, and it wouldn't have happened without some insane catches along the way. Um, you know, Rashad Higgins, who, Rashad Higgins, who has shown chemistry with Baker Mayfield two years ago, then last year was out of the loop, seemed to be in the doghouse with the coaches, has come on um, again, and, he, and he's a big part of that passing attack. And he's going to need to be. They're going to be without Odell Beckham. Uh, I, I wanted to see what would happen with a thin receiving core once he went down, and I thought they showed perhaps more chemistry than they have through the air and really any other game. I don't know what that hmm. means. Um, I'd want to go watch that again. But another Harrison Bryant, and today is, I just found this out today, one of the more absurd um, holidays that seems completely created out of thin air. It's tight end day, apparently. Um, it but is the Brown- out of thin air. George Kittle made it up. So it's is it for, a, please it's tell me it's for it's a a charity because I... I stomached it today because I was like, oh, it must be for a cause. But if it wasn't for a cause, I am furious. Yeah. I, no, well, Kittle, I, Kittle came up with it last year, and I think they just they ran uh, with it. If it's for a cause, I mean, if it's for, you know, George Kittle's personal enjoyment, that's... going to be my um, cause of death is what it is. Right. I, but here, uh, uh, to celebrate such a day, um, Harrison Bryant, the rookie who we've talked about on the show before, who looks legit. Um, two touchdowns. Austin Hooper was out with appendicitis. Uh, David Njoku caught a pass. You have to wonder, touchdown pass. You have to wonder if it's the last action he will get in Cleveland. He's on the trade block. Um, I can't say enough about Joe Burrow. I, I just thought that there were, um, there was one play that really, uh, it was third and 11, 
And Joe Burrow um, took off on a run, and it just like Cleveland defend Cleveland's defense is a disaster, and defended it poorly, and he ran for a first down, but he made throws all over the field, and their offensive line was banged up too. At one point, Jonah Williams went out with a neck injury. Um, Trey Hopkins, their center, was out, and it showed. I mean that that it's they they had issues, um, and Burrow, like he does week after week, made plays. So I think it's fair still to say that Baker Mayfield in a very good division is the quarterback looking up at the rest of these, but this was mm, sort of a... Can't even a, enjoy it. Well, well, it's different. Not today, it's, though, it, Mark. Not today. It, you know, if it's Thursday night football and, like, I am able just to go, you know, sit and do... I, I mistakenly thought that I was covering Pittsburgh, Tennessee and was tracking that heavily the entire time, taking all these notes, and I'm discovering <laughs> when that two minutes into the show that I completely <laughs> botched that, and I, I had... Made a mistake, but anyways, um, I I give Cleveland credit for being five. Wait, and two. you figured it out in the middle of this show? I figured it out four minutes ago when you when your oh um, when your intro like, to that game went on and on. I thought he's at some point is Dan t- tossing this to me. I was a communication <laughs> issue this morning that I read incorrectly. That's another. I, uh, it's another deep dive that I like to take us down and how our show is produced. But I will mm. I will stop there. Five and two, but I you know what gets on my radar? Teams that have a clear ceiling, and I think Cleveland. This is this is good progress. But they're not five and two the same way that I look at um, other sure. five and two teams we've encountered. But they could be different. You know, all these teams are going to be different in December. I still really believe that. And so you you want to be five and two with a chance to be different and hopefully better in December uh, with Miles Garrett potentially um, trying to get a Defensive Player of the Year award in December. Every every game, like one of the first things I do, check the. Brown's box score, and, and I'm looking forward to watching this one. Is like, okay, did Miles Garrett get his uh, forced fumble today? It's like, yep, yes, he, he got it, and he got two sacks and another tackle for loss. And and in these games where there's not a lot of defense, and the Browns don't have a lot of defense, it a lot of times it comes down to can do you have a guy that can make one or two plays? And Garrett kind of makes one or two huge plays every week, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, and not to belabor this point, but when we had our discussion about the importance of sacks and getting to the quarterbacks and it was deemed that Jadavian Clowney doesn't need to get sacks and by the way he still has zero sacks this season well he's well, struggling he's not even getting his hurries this year listen Miles Garrett is an example of why you could say stats is an overrated stat or something uh, but that guy changes games because he gets to the quarterback and he knocks the ball loose he's a big time player you know what the Browns strike me as Mark I see what you're saying with the ceiling but they, to me, they feel like a nine and seven team. Maybe a, a bounce goes their way, and they go ten and six, and they're playing in January in the playoffs, and they're giving someone a hard time uh, on the road. Like you're right. signing up for that in a second, right? Absolutely. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be like you know covertly down on the whole situation. I just am trying to view them the same way that I'd view right. other teams. Go beat, and, a, um, go beat a really good team. Uh, that's the next test right. for them. But good right. job getting off the mat uh, after last week. Let's move on. Ricky's not sitting at her desk. Uh, Erica? Where we live. Maybe she lost her connection. She's Oh, no, she sat down. Now she got up again. Oh, she's had the connection? Uh, Ricky? We should keep all this in. Ricky! <laughs> Come back to us, Ricky. What's happening? So, you see that guy that just walked yeah. behind my yeah. window? I, he just, like, he's my, I guess, just moved in next door. I'm not sure. But he knocked on the door 
with the pizza and he was like he kind of speaks broken english he's like can you cut the pizza for me because i don't have anything and i was like oh i can give you a knife quick and then he just asked like what are you doing tonight like what and i just gave him like a freaking butcher knife and i'm home alone and what are you doing? I don't know. He just he just knocked on my door and asked me to cut his pizza. Like, what am I supposed to? I don't. What know. a strange I, man, it's Erica. An odd thing to give him, Erica. When a strange man knocks on your door and you're home alone, and he asks for something to cut with, you don't get your biggest knife from the kitchen and give it to him. This, this is like yeah, but like survival what, skills one on one. Well, like I, a pizza roll. I just, what, what, what could I have you have done? Not answer the door. That would be an option him, during I, a he's live like show. Literally knocking on my thing, and I'm like, ha, like, ha, and then he's like, "Can you cut my pizza?" And then he just asked, "When are you going to be done?" Like right. the show. Let's let's keep the show moving. Let's close the curtains behind you because <laughs> right gonna, now he has a free view. <laughs> oh my! For whatever right. he's. All right, where are we? Let's move on. Let's let's go. move on. <laughs> Alert, 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 or maybe Oscar is the call on first and ten. Jeff Wilson Jr. back in, takes the wide run right, breaks a tackle. Ten, five, touchdown! San Francisco! And that feels great, baby! (laughs) Greg Papa, Tim Ryan with the call. Deadbolt that door, Ricky Hollywood. Jeff Wilson Jr. ran for a buck 14, three touchdowns. Cam Newton threw three picks before being benched for Jared Stinham in the second half. The 49ers cruise to a 33-6 win over the Patriots. New England falls to 2-4 in what was the most lopsided home loss of the Bill Belichick era. Greg, after the game, the hooded one said that Cam Newton, quote, absolutely, close quote, will remain his starter. Should it be so definite? Yes, because uh, when Jared Stidham has played this year, he has not looked any better, including in the in the cameo in this game. I know it wasn't a, a lot of tape, um, and I just think this ceiling for this team, especially offensively, you know, is not too high. But it's higher with Cam Newton getting out of this crazy funk that he's in. You, you have to give the Forty ers defense credit, um, but Cam is as streaky a quarterback as. I've ever seen throwing the ball. I think that's been true his entire career. And he came out and you could just tell right away like he was off, like he was missing guys. He's been holding the ball a ton the last two weeks, not seeing things clearly. And then when he does pull the trigger, it's like his interception was just, you could almost see his mind like saying, oh, should I throw this or not? Interception, missing receivers, like that was all bad. And it wouldn't have mattered. Like he could have been the best Cam Newton today. And the Patriots defense was never going to get enough stops for them to compete in this game. They were very lucky to be only down 23-3 at halftime. It was as one-sided varsity JV as any half, I would say, of any two teams all year. The 49ers had 18 first downs at halftime, and the Patriots had 15 plays. And it's a reminder, Kyle Shanahan, not saying that like he's a better head coach than Bill Belichick, but if I, I would rather have an offensive head coach that can cook up magic with a whole bunch of craziness in injuries rather than uh, a defensive coach with a game you know with who can manage a game and have certain things but has a team with clear flaws cuz Kyle Shanahan can still have these game plans where Jimmy G made a couple nice plays early didn't have to really do much and it's a coaching game and well, their from, coaching was better from a different perspective along similar lines 
maybe Kyle Shanahan has a better GM than Bill Belichick, whose yep. GM is Bill Belichick, because it feels like to me that the, the chickens are coming home to roost here with a roster that's talent deficient and a, a quarterback that is at this stage of his career, hot and cold. And there's going to be games like this when a team comes in that has more talent than you, that's well coached, that the Patriots maybe aren't special anymore. And the fact that these games can happen for a team that no longer has a legendary quarterback behind center to clean up the mess, that no longer has uh, can beat you one on one on offense, that the defense isn't special like it was for long stretches last year. Um, I wasn't like watching the. I guess you're supposed to be like Mark. I'll, <laughs> Let me know if you agree. I think you're supposed to be like watching the Patriots get getting whipped in Foxborough and be like, I can't believe this is happening. This is so weird. But none of it felt surprising to me. So I didn't like take any like uh, jet mis- miserable jet fan joy out of it because it just made sense. The Patriots aren't very good. Well, it doesn't seem like it should surprise anyone who watched the Broncos Patriots game with the same cast of characters and Julian Edelman um, in time for Halloween becoming a complete ghost. Uh, in an offense that has no direction, and and it, you you are fair making a fair point on the GM side of things that a lot of this were syst- systemic issues a year ago for New England. You just had Tom Brady masking over things that I think someone like Cam Newton um, in a huge funk could not. Uh, the defense masked over a lot of that last year. So if the defense falls through the floor, I mean you got nothing to save you. And you know it's like Kyle Shanahan. Um, where I'd agree with you, Greg, is that he's put up, he's placed, he's faced Belichick four times and put up 30, an average of 30 points on him. And right, that including, came with guys like Matt Schaub. By the way, he right. had him in the Super Bowl too. You can say whatever you want of how that game ended. They put up 30, you know, they, they put up enough points to win that game. I mean, we knew it would be a great duel between, I think, two coaches that have like immense respect for each other. But the 49ers have more parts right now. They're pretty broken themselves. I mean, the minute Jeff Wilson comes in and does a very Shanahan-esque thing by running right. for 112 yards and three touchdowns, bang, he's being taken off on a cart. They can't get healthy. But I would look at the Niners overall globally and say they've had a, a lot, you know, maybe west of the Eagles, their injury issues have been um, second to none. And they're winning games. I mean, right. they, whipped, they took care of the Rams. Uh, they absolutely decimated the Patriots today. That makes you think um, when they get healthy, when that time comes, even with Jimmy G looking wow. quite average to me um, at best I still give them a chance um, to sneak into the wild card I, I do too because I mean look they've, they've they've put it on some teams but they lost Debo Samuel at the end of this game in a blowout was a tough spot um, I don't know how serious that was and you lost Wilson and the the reserves on defense like Sherman and D Ford and some of the bigger name guys they're coaching through it but they're probably not back for another month Um it's amazing what they've done. I also think they're a terrible matchup for the Patriots because that the Patriots can't stop the run, and that's how Belichick's defenses normally start. They're so slow at linebacker. I mean, Bentley and Jennings, who's this rookie, like the outside zone, like they're set up to stop some passing teams. And so I think the Bills next week, like that's sort of the Patriots' last stand in this division. They're set up to possibly stop some passing teams, but they cannot stop the run. And the the 49ers just run it so well. The Patriots, by the way, also lost Joe Tooney, their center in this game. Nikhil Harry had a concussion. You mentioned Edelman was in and out. He's been so slow and injured this year. He had two throws to him today. Both of those throws were intercepted. Uh, so the Niners are now four and three, and you just it's it's incredible how quickly things have changed for them because 
you know, they were coming off the 25-20 loss to the Eagles in primetime. Tough loss. Then you get blown out 43-17. Jimmy G gets benched, and there's just, like, panic in the streets about the 49ers with the schedule up ahead. Then they beat the Rams and the Patriots on the road. What lies ahead, and we'll dig into this more as the week goes along, but at Seattle, home Packers, at Saints, at Rams, home Bills, all coming up now. So they're not out of the woods by any stretch. And at no. four and three, they're very vulnerable to get knocked kind of out of this wild card race. And Jimmy G looked a lot better today. I know there are two picks. One of them was just you know at the end of the half. Um, but he did make three or four throws, including on third and long. He, he looked like he was moving better. Uh, he looked like Jimmy G kind of from 2019 today. So they're going to need that because they're so banged up. But, man, they're, they're so uh, talented, even despite all the losses. You're right. I mean, the, the Patriots have no players with juice that are just going to win one-on-one. Let's bring uh, in and, Ricky. And, I want to hear Ricky. the 49ers still do. Ricky, you she's are still available to us. You're a 20. Yeah, you're still around. Good. That's a good sign. We're going to check in on you periodically. Uh, just like, uh, what do they call those? Well-being checks? Yeah. Like um, you are in your, you know, mid to late 20s. Uh, lady never tells. Right. Uh, so you've never known anything as a Patriots fan like this. How are you doing right now? Um, <laughs> you know... As perfectly stated in the best football film of our generation by Coach Boone and Remember the Titans, will be perfect in every aspect. You drop a pass, you run a mile. You miss a blocking assignment, you run a mile. You make a fumble, I'll break my foot off in your John Brown hind parts, and then you will run a mile. Perfection. Well, you guys, the Patriots will be running mile after mile today. What's happening? Okay. <laughs> oh, I thought Dan set that up or something. I, I listen. I I wanted to give her the floor. Hey, speaking of um, the demise of the Patriots um, dynasty, what did Zolak have to say when they pulled uh, Newton out of the game? Meanwhile, off the sideline for the Patriots, in comes number four in the blue jersey, Jarrett Stidham. Quarter too late. So uh, no helmet, no earpiece on for Cam Newton. How's he know what play it is? Oh, boy. Oh, a hit piece on camp from Zolak. Well, Zolak. It is becoming very clear, though, that Patriots fans who have listened to this show for um, seven, eight years are heading into complete darkness. If if they're going to be dressed up this way every time they stumble, it's going to be a long ride for those listeners. How did Zolak get from here? I love Tom Mm. Brady. To hear. Quarter too late. So uh, no helmet, no earpiece on for Cam Newton. How's he know what play it is? I hate to hear it. How does he know? Cam totally checked out. All right, listen, this is all I have. Let's move on. Brady drops. the Yankees. Protection, throws the deep ball toward the corner. Into Scotty Miller, and he's got the ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Touchdown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Scotty Miller. Great throw by Brady. Oh, Tom Brady, that guy. Tom Brady. Kicked him out the door. Gene Deckerhoff with the call. That was one of the prettiest touchdown passes you'll see all year. The Brady to Scotty Miller corner uh, end zone pass. Tom Brady threw four touchdown passes, moving moving him ahead of Drew Brees for number one on the all-time TD throw list for the time being. As the Bucks battled, then pulled away from the Raiders, 45-20. Sizzler watching Brady today. He looked vintage. He looked like a master of his craft. 
the, you know, the Bucks might be the best team in the league if he's this guy. I, I would agree. I mean, uh, we can argue about the most complete team, and I, I hear you with Tampa Bay. Um, I'd give it to Pittsburgh in the AFC. But one thing um, that we were always waiting for with Brady and the Bucks' offense was, you know, you, it was clear that in the first couple of weeks that there were issues. Um, were they going to overcome them, or were that, was that just who they were? Well, they're overcoming them, and you just feel this operation heating up. Um, and I think you could see it in the eyes of Tom Brady. Uh, you could see it in the eyes of Bruce Arians, who at one point came over and just put an arm around his quarterback. I mean, Bruce Arians is having fun. I think I mentioned last year that I thought he seemed like he had a bit of a thousand-yard stare, didn't necessarily want to be involved What? What, with what he was doing. That's not the case now. And, I mean, this is a game where Mike <laughs> I Evans... I never bought into that one. You were, you were yeah. pushing that one. No, no, there were, no one believed that it. except you. There were, uh, you know what? That's fine. It is absolutely... I don't, I don't really... I'm not claiming that that was a home run take. Isn't but it I weird saw, that he was a color guy for Fox for a season? Or well, he didn't seem to be having strange. much fun doing that. that was, he seemed checked out for that. I'll that was that. a checkout. Yeah. That was a checkout. So maybe I was continuing it off of that. But this was a game where Mike Evans was essentially not a factor until the game was out of hand. Um, and it just didn't matter. And it makes me wonder, you know, we've, there are the reports out there. Essentially, they're, they're, they're adding Antonio Brown, um, and there are a variety of responses to that move. But it's like, okay, let's see how you can squeeze Antonio Brown into, a, into an offense where Rob Gronkowski is starting to look better and better every week. Scotty Miller is becoming exactly what you thought he might be with Tom Brady. Chris Godwin was all over the place today. They get just enough from their ground game when they need to. Uh, their offensive line is playing well. Tom Brady is throwing the ball as well as he has in years. Uh, he's total, In a game like today when he was totally dialed in, I actually have to give the Raiders credit for hanging around, and they really did hang around in this game. Uh, it, there was a back-breaking moment for Derek Carr, and it was they were at this point down, I think it was 24 to 20 or so, but Carr got picked by Antoine Winfield Jr., who is becoming an awesome safety in the NFL, and that basically ended it because that set up a quick short drive for the Bucks and Ronald Jones um, to pop him in for a touchdown. That was two touchdowns in 42 seconds. The Raiders were broken at that point. And I watched this Bucks team, guys like Devin White on defense who had three sacks, who had a play where he uh, saw a, a, a ball handler like 17 yards away and just single-handedly sprinted at him and knocked him down. I mean, he blew up Derek Carr in a play where I thought Derek Carr got hurt. Uh, it was one of the better games in the second half by Devin White that I've seen a defender play mm. all year. It was very impressive. So they are extremely complete. Uh, there aren't, there's not an overt weakness, and you just have to look at the offense. Um, and I know that I, you know, was, I got, for the way I phrased it, saying that they would score 40 points on, on the reg, but I would just say that the, you see it now. They can do it. Um, right. They are that attack in every way. Well, they haven't, had, they haven't been totally healthy. Now, getting Godwin back is key. To me, he's you know, the second most valuable player on that, on that offense. And they're different. And now they add Antonio Brown. I don't think they, knew, they need Antonio Brown. You know, I, I think, you know, listening to Bruce Arians have to answer the question that, that well, if, if Antonio Brown did what he's accused of doing, which, you know, to be clear, is sexual assault and rape, um, then, then the legal system will take care of that and he won't be on the team. And... I just I I don't like him being added to this mix right now and, and Arians answering questions yep. like that after this game because I think it's unnecessary. I I led uh 
my my debrief column last week with the Bucks saying like this team can win the Super Bowl. I mean, I think that was I think that's an obvious take. I I think they're the best team in the NFL. I, I I'm not I didn't need to see much more out of Brady with a good offensive line and the the high quality of throws he's been making. Like he just needs to be a top ten to twelve type of quarterback. They could be even better than that as an, as an offense. I think if if they do their best, but with this kind of line and with this kind of defense and and with this kind of depth of playmakers. To me, they are they are the they are the team. If I had to pick one uh, out of the NFC, they would be my team. Yeah, and you saw what they did in the final three quarters against the Packers last week when they put it all together and just blew out a very good Green Bay team. And this game, to me, and I know <clears throat> he hasn't been. This isn't this isn't two thousand seven Tom Brady or anything. I mean, he's not going to throw fifty touchdowns. But the way he played today was just to me. And I'll again mention the Scotty Miller touchdown pass. I mean, it just. The way he's moving the pocket, the confidence he's playing with, the accuracy that he's throwing the ball with, the zip that he's throwing the ball with, um, he's playing unbelievable. And, you know, with the Antonio Brown situation, there's the component of it with the the off-the-field issues and the criminal behavior, alleged criminal behavior, which is messy, and that's, that's a separate conversation. But I think in terms of team building, it's, it's a no-brainer, uh, in terms of, uh, building your roster out. I know they have three really good wide receivers in Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, but Miller's been banged up. Godwin's missed time. Evans hasn't been healthy. You never know uh, how this sport works. It's a war of attrition. So if you get Antonio Brown in the mix and he is on the field and making plays, he's going to, I think, make this offense better. I understand why they did it from a team-building standpoint, uh, but it's obviously fair to get on them for uh, some of the moral implications of bringing on a player like Brown. I would also note that Arians, after the game, was uh, said that the decision to bring on Antonio Brown, he said Tom had nothing to do with this. Now, I don't know if I buy a word of that. I mean, but follow the trail. It's Ar- happened Arians, twice yeah. now in two years. I, Ar- Arians, they said Arians they were looking has into been it known to, like he even <laughs> says he like admits how much he lies to the media. He he says it's a it's a good thing. You, I don't know. He's not getting paid much, Antonio Brown. He's getting paid the minimum with a little bit of incentive. So they like the Patriots a year ago. There's very little risk in terms of finances, and you could cut him as quickly as you wanted to if if you if you felt like it. But I'm telling. I mean, we, we're talking a lot, and I I want to see them do it against a good defense. I mean, we. You said we're not that surprised about the Patriots. Well, when they put 36 on the Raiders, we thought their offense might be pretty good this year. Everyone puts well, thirty six. Look at the Seahawks game. Right, everyone just falling apart. My point is, everyone puts points on the Raiders. Um, so that's that's a huge part of the, today's equation. It's not taking anything away. It's just saying that I like this Raiders team, but their defense is maybe the worst in the NFL. It's certainly one of the three it, or four, four worst, and that's why it was so crazy for Erica to uh, go in a lock-off against me in this one. And Tom Brady, how do you go against Tom Brady right now, Erica? I mean, you come at the king. Best not miss. Yeah. I mean, it was a long, a long game. Did you guys see my storybook um, for Gruden and, and that whole thing? And I just, yes. I went with it and I lost really hard. One and what is it? Lesson. One and six right now with the one win being yeah. anti-Jets. Dan, I think you're muted. <laughs> you were frozen there for a second. Are you back? Hold on. Tough sitch there, Ricky. 
Tough sitch. Yeah. I did one thing I want to get on and just I want to just check in her welfare check. She's okay. Good. Yeah. Um, I just want before we move on, get on the Raiders and um, John Gruden. Hated, hated, hated fourth and one at the Tampa Bay 17 yard line, 1243 to play in the fourth quarter. They kick a field goal to cut it. Doing it all year. To cut Love it. Your team. I mean, to all year. To cut it. To, it was a 24 17 game. They were down a touchdown to cut it to 24 20. As if this was a team that was going to get multiple stops on a locked-in Tom Brady with his supporting cast. This is what happened after that. Kansas City got the ball back, 11 plays, 67 yards, touchdown. Next uh, drive for the Raiders, interception on the first play. Following drive for Kansas City, two plays, 24 yards, touchdown. Followed by a four and out by the Raiders. Followed followed by six plays, 32 yards, touchdown. It went from 24-20 to 45-20. Congratulations on your field goal. Well, they they I will say they were hanging in there and trying to, you know, not completely go haywire on offense. Done it all but year, I, met, though. It's three I times mentioned that pick year. too, and that, that they scored two thing. touchdowns in forty-two mm. seconds. So I, that was all packed into a crumbling, a huge meltdown. You play to win the game. Let's move on. Sidearm pass intercepted. It's Dan Sorensen. A pick six. Dan Sorensen. <laughs> Dirty Dan Sorensen. As Drew Locke throws a fifty-yard pick six. Dirty Dan Sorensen. How about that? The Chiefs got a 102-yard kickoff return for a touchdown by Byron Pringle, another name I love. A hard-charging TD run by Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a Mahomes to Tyreek TD connection, and yes, Dirty Dan Sorensen with the pick six of Drew Locke added up to a 43-16 win over the Broncos at a frigid and snowy mile-high mark. You know, this is a game... Again, this is one of the coldest days in the history of Broncos football, which you would never think would happen this time of year, but it was. Uh, So that's going to affect the passing game for the second straight week. Kansas City weather elements played a part, I think, in how they were able to attack the opponent. But they they were hitting Denver from so many angles uh, that it turned into a blowout, even with a single Mahomes touchdown. Well, and if you're gonna if you're gonna try to challenge um, Kansas City, who is not a team that can't operate in cold weather, I mean, it was beautiful to look at the snow. The Broncos were hideous to look at, and you know this is a game for those of you measuring Drew Locke. And um, you know, I know a couple close uh, diehard Broncos fans that came away from this one just very concerned about what they have under center. I mean, you have two killer fumbles from Melvin Gordon, uh, two interceptions from Locke. And they never really got untracked. And, and you know, you, we saw our first taste of Le'Veon Bell for uh, the Chiefs. I thought he looked looked pretty good. They didn't use him a ton, but it's just another like – we're talking about Antonio Brown. It's another piece to add, and you can question why they're doing it. But to me, it's just like, you know, load up. Load up down the stretch. And uh, there was no – this game was just not a competition. And I think that the Broncos, for all their parts um, – Parts are great, but you need you need like the quarterback play to equal it, and it just didn't happen today at all. Well, it reminds me a little when the 49ers suddenly had all their players back, and then they got blown out that first game with the Dolphins. I mean, you and the Broncos obviously aren't at the stage of development of the 49ers. Are. You still got to start playing together a little bit. Um, and uh, the offense, you would expect to do more. I, I'll take the L on this, that I thought, I thought the Broncos were going to be in this game but you have a first half where it's a pick six and a kick return against the, against the Chiefs, forget about it. I mean, that that's it. It's over. I mean, they the the Chiefs uh, were held to like five and a half yards per play. They didn't have a they didn't have a third down. 
in the game. They didn't convert a third down in the game, and they put up 43 points. Like, they had under 300 yards in this game, the Chiefs. So I think the Broncos' defense was up for a challenge, but it's if you're giving away points on special teams uh, in your offense, eventually the defense is going to cave in. I think it's one of the better defenses around, but it's just you can't be put with you can't have right. that weight put on you dealing with the Chiefs. Yeah, it was a terrible performance by the Broncos. I I still have an open mind with Drew Locke, but now eight starts in, and I just don't see anything special there. Uh, he's going to need to improve his play. Um, he wasn't good enough in this game. Just, but at the same time, if you're going to give Mahomes a pass for not lighting it up in in these elements, and let me just give you a little uh, hardcore information on this: kickoff temperature of 14 degrees. Tied for the fifth coldest game in Broncos history, the third coldest home game in franchise history, and the coldest pre-Halloween home game in franchise history. Mm. It sounds like a mm. like a Jake Gyllenhaal natural disaster uh, film right. taking part. Hey, let's in Colorado. hear let's hear it for climate change. Way to go! <laughs> it's, uh, it's racking up the scores this year. Uh, Le'Veon Bell did look pretty good. He had two sixteen-yard runs uh, in limited work. He ran six times for 39 yards. He had one run of 16 yards in 264 carries with the Jets. So <laughs> I think he tweeted after the game, man, that felt so good. Uh, so he's happy to be on a winner. Uh, you know, it goes to show you if you complain enough, you could get into a better situation in the modern NFL. Good for him. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, total effort for the Chiefs here. And the Broncos are running out of time to write this thing. Let's move on. To Rodgers, looks, rainbows, right side. He's got his man, Devontae Adams, to the 10 to the 5, right side, to the end zone, cutting it back. Touchdown, Green Bay Packers. Wayne Larrabee with the call, WTMJ with the call. Aaron Rodgers looked vulnerable last week against the Bucs. He was back to MVP form against the Texans, throwing four touchdown passes, two to an uncoverable Devontae Adams. 35-20 win in Houston. For the Packers. Mark, uh, Aaron Rodgers looked like Aaron Rodgers again. Yes, and this is the game that I was supposed to cover, but I did catch um, many elements of this. And for me, because of coming off of last week, it was one of those games where heat check on the Packers. Are, are we entering into a place where they're a myth? They aren't what we thought the first four weeks. Well, I think they are what we what we thought they were because they were in, they were dialed in from the beginning with literally no with no with no reservations i mean it, in the first half 250 yards 9.4 yards per attempt and you know you're playing a texans team that's been frisky but the texans opened with basically three punts a missed field goal and then they went to half where the the packers like right at right out of the gate a 55-yard drive, an 88-yard drive, both of those taking up 10 and 9 plays, eating up the clock. They score a third touchdown before the half. Game over. And then, you know, their defense has not been special, but that's enough That's enough to get it done. And so I look, I think it, I think what happened last week was we just talked about the Bucks. You were dealing with one of the two or three super legit defenses, and that's your concern. Can they operate? Can the Packers get to a higher level against that kind of a defense? Well, they'll probably see them again. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a, a spot where, you know, you the Texans are one of the few teams that travel their cornerback, you know, Bradley Roby with the opposing number one. And then you have him matched up against Devontae Adams. He has his struggles. Then he gets hurt. 
And uh, it all all falls apart from there. I mean, Packers defense, this is all they got to do. Force three punts in a row to start a game, you're going to win every one of those games. It's like you just need the Packers defense to show up. And that half is as good a half, you know, production-wise as they've had in a long time, the Packers defense. They need to start having some building blocks because I'm not worried about the Packers offense. They did this without Aaron Jones today. I mean, they found out before the game Aaron Jones is inactive and they still they still put up points like this. And Devontae Adams, he's a special player because he's he's the guy in the league that, and, you know, maybe uh, DeAndre Hopkins is another one, uh, that when he is gets into his zone, he could just put up Madden on easy type numbers. He had a career high 196 yardage uh the most yards by a green bay player since jordy nelson went for 209 back in week two of 2014 and uh adams was one catch shy of tying the franchise record shared by himself in week one of this year and don (laughs) hudson back in 1942 so like when him and rogers are right there is no uh more devastating tandem in the league jj watt uh spoke after the game about uh where the texans are at let's listen to that you can talk about the way Rodgers played today and, and compare it to the ways you'd seen him play earlier in his, in, when you guys played against him. He played very well today. What did he do that, that made him play well? Threw the ball to the receivers and they caught <laughs> I, If you could see the look on J.J. Watt's face, it's why I wanted to hit. Man, he, was, he had this, like, <laughs> gritted teeth look he wasn't gonna say anything like he's look he sounded like he wanted to jump through the screen and strangle uh john mcclain who was asking that question probably from houston poor john mcclain well and it's also a team that you know there there are whispers out there that they could be heavy um very active before the trade deadline and i think the trade deadline is not going to be a deadline this year because to get players in with the corona business mm. they're saying the trades are going to happen sooner and guys like will fuller have been mentioned um might be all this sorts week of people been mentioned. yeah this week oh, the i think deadline's it'd be the, not till a week from tuesday but yeah I, you could see some I, stuff in the next 48 week. hours i think we could see trades because it's like if you're going to let them go move on i think with watt too you know they're one in six as they uh hit their by his brother tj has not that this is part of the reason he's frustrated but kind of surpassed him uh, perhaps as a talent in the NFL on an undefeated Steelers team. And here's J.J. Watt, um, a proud player, a future Hall of Famer on the other side of 30 in the middle of a mess in Houston. I can imagine it's got to be very frustrating uh, from where he kind of saw his career arc as a, on a Super Bowl contender, I'm sure he thought, and now to see where they are now. Tough sitch, as they say. As you say, really. Okay, as I say. <laughs> Let's move on. Here we go. That's it. The money play. Let's see what the Lions dial up. Two seconds to go. Stafford empty out of the gun. He's got it back. Looks, looks, pumps one, steps up, looks, throws, and yes! comes. Yes! down Detroit Lions. TJ Hawkins, yes! they did it. They've tied it. They're an extra point away from winning this game. Oh, baby, how big is that? <laughs> Great yes! How That's big is that? Oh, man, that might be the call of the year from Dan Miller uh, with Lomas Brown, WJR. Yes, Matty Stafford uh, found TJ Hawkinson in the end zone with no time on the clock, a game-tying score that set up a long, after a penalty, uh, PAT by Matt Prater from 48 yards to nail down a 23-22 win. So there you go. 
the Lions, who lost so many games like this, win one. And for the Falcons, it's the same thing over and over. Greg, lots to unpack here, but I want to start here, actually, with the Todd Gurley touchdown that cost the Falcons the game. Yeah, you heard that, right? Everyone knew it was coming. Everyone watching that game knew that the Lions had to be thinking of allowing the Falcons uh, to score a touchdown. The situation was about a 110 to go. They had just gotten inside the 10-yard line. They could have just run the clock out. The, t- the Lions were out of timeouts. And the only chance they could have for, you know, would be blocking a young way coup kick from, from you know, a couple yards away. Or they, they could have kneeled and then scored a touchdown after that, after burning some clock. And you thought, I, I wonder if Matt Patricia is going to think back to the that Patriots Super Bowl where they, you know, they let the Giants score, whether they do it again. And I think the... Falcons coaching staff told Todd Gurley, don't score a touchdown. So he breaks a tackle right at the line of scrimmage where they kind of half try to tackle. And then they let him in, and he decides at about the one-yard line, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, tries to get down on the ground, tries not <laughs> oh. to score. It was too late. He scored by mistake. It is the most Falcons thing ever that you are allowed to score – you're you're told not to score, and then you so score Falcons. by mistake, and you could st- you could have still stopped the Lions at that point. But after Gurley scored that touchdown, there was no doubt in my mind. Oh, I don't done. care that the Lions had no timeouts <laughs> at all. There was no doubt in my mind they were gonna go right down the field and score it's a touchdown. Over. And you do have to give Stafford and Kenny Galladay, who was a total difference maker today, credit for making some great plays in that drive, especially Galladay, which set up that game-winning touchdown. But my, Oh, what a dart. My what God. a beautiful dart to Galladay to set up the Hawkins and score. Yeah, and in, in true Falcons fashion, Falcons zooming up the pain rankings. Oh, my the, God. the fact that when as he loses his balance and he goes down to the ground, it's like this like funhouse mirror reverse scenario of how football <laughs> works where it's like, did the ball cross the plane for the <laughs> touchdown? But that's not what you want. For all the wrong and of reasons. of course, yes, of course with the Falcons, it's going to go the wrong way for them. And uh, just another crushing loss. I mean, maybe in the long term, honestly, Mark, this is kind of good for the Falcons who are playing for Ugh. 2021 anyway. Uh, but at the same time, for a team that's had so many stomach punch losses this year, to just add another one to the ledger in, in a new and unique way, you just don't need that. Well, I, I wouldn't trust them to not be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes no matter how that well they Could played be. for 58 minutes. Um, but look at these frisky little three and three lions. Oh, you're jumping back on because they're can't get back on, dude. One. That thing left. Yeah, and you, left. you, you were sinking them. I mean, I can they, get on. I build my own vehicle. I'll follow the very, bandwagon with my own vehicle. You know, this, as as horror, horrific this matchup was in terms of the uniforms and um, the uh, stadium lighting which I know Chris Wesseling got a lot of tweets at him and he was retweeting them and, you know, it was an all-time bad-looking game. It was, you know, mm-hmm. it was a very evenly played, uh, you know, good football contest. Matt Ryan and Julio I'm- Jones played well. It was, like, very even, very tense. But to end that way was just the most Falcons thing. And, and they have mentioned that any sort of trade rumors around Ryan and Julio Jones, I mean, I guess you get blown away, are simply wind at this point, that they're not moving them this season. I noticed that I guess it was whenever their previous home game was. And that's a beautiful building, yeah. uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We were there for the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and it was kind of the first of its kind, having the in-the-round visual scoreboard that's now going to be the rage everywhere, and we see it in the new uh, Hollywood Park uh, facility 
here, but there's something off about the turf, the coloring of the turf and the lighting in the stadium that just kind of everything feels muted and a little bit depressing. That feels like a fairly easy fix. Falcons have so many things they need to fix. That feels like something that can be handled pretty quickly, maybe even during a bye week or something. Um, Mark, I'm picturing you like on like a like a donkey or like, you know, you're on your like burro and you're. You're trying to catch up to the sputtering Lions bandwagon so you could do like an Indiana Jones, do the whip and pull yourself on it. You're struggling to catch up with the burrow. You can, well, you can do it, maybe. I mean, I, you're putting me on a, on a farm animal. I'm not. I, built, I said I built I a mean, vehicle. Enjoy it's it. not going to be an animal. If this, if this game doesn't convince you, they're, they're going to you know, roar to the playoffs. What will? I just said nope. they're frisky, and they are. They're suddenly, suddenly they're back in the conversation, sitting at 500. A lot of season left, Greg and Dan. Eow. <laughs> Moving on. Here's the snap on second and 22, and this pass is intercepted. intercepted. Jerry Hughes has the ball, and he is, goes down. He gets a late hit, but Jerry Hughes comes up with a pick somehow. What a call. <laughs> Listen, the Bills hit six field goals for their scoring. Not a lot to choose from in this one. Yes, the Bills losing streak is over. Because their defense finally took a game over. Buffalo's D held Sam Darnold and the Jets to four total yards on 16 plays from scrimmage in the second half, allowing the Bills' offense to dig out of an early double-digit deficit and an eventual 18-10 win. Darnold was sacked five times and threw two picks, including the game sealer, a deflection uh, corralled by Jerry Hughes late in the fourth quarter. Um, Jerry Hughes was awesome in this game. He played like a man possessed, um, uh, had two sacks, uh, tackles for loss, the interception, uh, just around the ball all game. And a strange game because we talked about it on the preview show that this was an obvious get right game for the Bills. Uh, you kind of imagine this could have been a 34 to 7, you know, 42 to 6 type game. And they get right. Well, that wasn't the way things started out. They they fall down ten nothing in the second quarter. Uh, Josh Allen has a fumble uh, in deep in Jets territory that he loses. Um, he is uh, showing some accuracy issues again, and you're you're wondering what's going on here. Uh, but they are able to get back in the game because the Jets offense with Darnold. Uh, struggling in the first game for Dow Loggins, who took over play calling duties from Adam Gase, which I guess is just Gase in total desperation mood, mode at this point, just trying to do anything to spark uh, matters. But it didn't work, and uh, Josh Allen couldn't get Buffalo into the end zone, hmm. um, but they also didn't punt, uh, as far as I can recall. Uh, they settled for eight field goal attempts, hitting six of them, so and that weird. accounted for all the scoring. So not... Uh, you guys did not miss a golden uh, game here, but the Bills will take it and they get uh, back on the winning side of things, and they're five and two. How, how are you uh, on Darnold's return? Because you know, early get you know he made some big throws, which I saw, and then you look at it, and in the second half, the Jets had four yards, which I've, I don't know if I've ever seen that four yards as a team in Very the second bad. half. On 16 plays, they, you know, it was just basically a three and out machine. And, you know, the, the way I tweeted about it this week. So, like, if you're trying to figure out what do you want out of this Jet season at this point, it's like, all right, 10 games. Let's see what Sam Darnold has uh, because you're kind of like 
as Mark alluded to on our preview show, and a bit of a catch-22 situation where like, you don't want to give up on Sam Darnold uh, because you have a lot invested in him and you, you've seen the flashes, but at the same time, like he needs to improve and really make it a tough decision for the Jets if they do indeed end up having uh, perhaps the number one overall pick. And this game, to me, was like a huge red flag uh, because the Bills' defense hasn't been any good this year. Mm. And the Jets didn't have Jameson Crowder, which is a huge loss, uh, for that offense because he basically is the offense for most of the season. But they did have uh, Perryman back, and they got Denzel Mims back. And early on, they were they did have a bit of a connection. But the the fact that you face-planted in the second half, you're, you're just going to make the decision easier for the Jets if you have a couple more of these performances. So, yeah, I was disappointed uh, by his play. I mean, I guess if you're you, – it, you, can't criti- you can't kill Jets fans if a couple months from now, if this season plays out as it has – um, to switch loyalties because a Jets fan's job has been an awful job, but you're not sitting there just to not enjoy life. Um, so a ton of changes coming. I did see DJ. You mean switch loyalties in terms of quarterbacks, not in terms of teams? Because I no, wouldn't blame him for twi- switching teams. I mean, life's too short. Well, that's well. I don't that's think that's. I don't know too many Jets right. fans that would do that, or any, to be honest. Just I saying. think they're a very loyal. I wouldn't, fan I wouldn't blame them. But I saw Daniel Jeremiah, <laughs> Jeremiah tweet that their Jets rookie class. Um, he was gushing about how promising it was. I'm assuming that's because Mims came in and made some plays. I don't yeah, know. Mims got out of the game healthy, made some catches, and that's, you know, you get excited about that. And Makai Becton came back, and, and he looks like a potential all-pro level left tackle, which is a huge hit. But, yeah, I mean, DJ was happy to see a positive tweet about the Jets for once because you don't see many of them. But, yeah, Darnold is up to uh, about 30 starts now. And... You can't just continue to hope that he's going to kind of pull it together uh, at a certain point, especially on why it did cross my mind during a, a, this very ugly second half. You know, Joe Burrow lighting up the, the Browns and he's been lighting up teams all year. Justin Herbert, what he's been able to do. Uh, you know what? That's what you expect at some point, And you just haven't you haven't seen it from Darnold. And even though he's been in a horrible situation, the got to have results at some point. Well, uh, so that's where I'm at on. I'm starting to kind of mentally begin my break from <laughs> Sam Darnold and, and mentally preparing for the idea of hitting the reboot. Well, it's competitive. Although the Jets, you know, look as bad as, you know, any team, certainly. There are only, there. I counted, there's seven teams with one win or less. Right. There's a lot of bad teams this year. What so a battle. It's, uh, there's a lot like of jostling there. One three-game win streak, you could, you're <laughs> Seven teams right now. We're, it's week seven right now, and there's seven teams with one winner. Take a look at the Jets' upcoming schedule and tell me where you see the no, three-game winning streak. You're lucky because their schedule's brutal. But, Patriots but are about as winnable a game as they got. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. Another team in the tank for Trevor sweepstakes. Oof. Play action, steps back, now throwing deep down the left sideline. That's Terry McLaurin, wide open, pitch, catch, touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! You are not going to double-guess that one. Bram Weinstein and Julie Donaldson, WTEM. Good to hear the the female perspective in the calls. You you don't get much of that. Might be the only one, right? Scary Terry McLaurin and Kyle Allen hooked up on a 52-yard touchdown. And the Washington football team coasted to a 25-3 win over the moribund Dallas Cowboys. I mean, a team that could be headed toward major changes in the near future. Greg, the Cowboys really are this bad, huh? (laughs) They are. Um, It was unfortunate to see Andy Dalton go out with um, a concussion after a, a dirty hit. 
um, by John Bostic. I don't know if it was intentional, but it is a late hit uh, on a slide, and and he'll he got kicked out of the game, and he'll probably be suspended. But I don't think that should um, distract from how thorough a total beatdown the game already was before that. I think you could have had Andy Dalton out there for twelve drives, and I don't think they were going to score a touchdown with him. Or um, who was who was their quarterback? Ben DiNucci. Ben so, DiNucci. So like, just I don't even I don't even want to I don't hey, even want to wake up Benny DiNucci. I know. I don't you gotta even, go in the game. This guy's a professional, and look, he actually made one one good throw in in his limited time. But wow, they were overmatched on both sides of the ball. Just totally overmatched. Forget Washington being in the. Um, in the mix for Trevor. They, their defense is too good, I think. They're going to win too many games, and, and their offense is better with Kyle Allen. I, I do think it was a smart move to go to Kyle Allen. I kind of I thought so at the time, too, and I think he's not great, but they're better. I mean, we liked Kyle Allen for games last year, and then you know the floor fell out. Antonio Gibson, 128 yards on the ground. I think you're right, Greg. They're, they're a little too frisky. They're a little too talented on defense to be in that race. Uh, this is the Cowboys to me um, this season. Mike McCarthy answering questions after the game about the Dalton hit from Bostic and acknowledging that one of the things that threw him that Hang he on, found Mark. concerning. I have that. Let's listen. Let's to hear it. it. We speak all the time about playing for one another, you know, protecting one another. Um, so it definitely was, was probably not the response that you would expect. Mm. Yeah, that you know, when your quarterback goes down, you want everyone around him, and and the, and that was done with Dak Prescott, obviously. But or this you want situ- people getting after Boston. I mean, that's what he's saying. It's it's re- yeah. rally around your quarterback and show show Washington that you're not taking that. And instead, um, this lifeless roster, which has had a complete disconnect, a with the coaching staff and b with anyone observing uh, the Dallas Cowboys this season, mm. did nothing. And I think that speaks to me about the a lot of the criticism that you started to hear about the player-coach relationships and everything going on weeks ago that had you concerned, but you saw all the talent. And now it's just like, talent is fine. Every team has talent. Um, they're not playing up in any level to where they are. And I don't know how you come out of this season if you're Jerry Jones, if things stay apace um, with a vote of confidence in Mike McCarthy. It's one and done. And you know what? The rest of the Whoa. league moves on with coach. I, I mean, this is I'm as bad you, of a coaching job as I've is, ever seen. I think that is well within the range of outcomes if this continues. And especially, who knows with Dalton. I mean, he was diagnosed with a concussion. It was a nasty hit. You know, these guys can come back five days later from concussions. It's just the way the sport is. Or sometimes, depending on the severity, could disappear for the rest of the year. So we don't need, know his status right now. But the fact that he's come out and looks so helpless uh, puts this team into a really dark place now where – uh, if he can't play, and Benny Donucci, who we you know we like his name, but he's a seventh round pick, uh, so you're not expecting a lot from him. This thing could really crater. And again, you have a aging uh, results wants results now level uh, owner, and I would even put a sandwich wager out there that this this could end up with McCarthy being hmm. sent out of town. And I don't think I'd take you on it because I'll I, th- I think that's the it. outcome. You want to do it? Let's do I'll it. Do it. I just All right. just. Uh, you, it's not a crazy sandwich to put up there. I think uh, there's cases for both sides. I, I don't know if Jerry Jones is going to want to admit he's wrong that quickly. It's going to be slow water torture, though, for this season because because of how bad the NFC East is. They're going to have to, like, <laughs> not give up. Like, it's like the games are going to keep mattering as they keep 
playing this bad. And and I thought like when I you know heard about the you know Dalton not go, you know getting near him, I thought about like well how many of these guys know each other that well? It's like an offensive line of just total replacements. I'm right, not, I'm not saying code. that justifies it. I'm I'm not. Exp- I'm just trying to tell you these aren't even the Cowboys. It was f- only one starter left um, from the offensive line as before. Andy Dalton's not there. I, I just want to throw this out before he goes. By the way, I think Scott Turner's doing a good job uh, as their coordinator, considering how little talent there is, and that I think is again shows um, how poor like Dallas is coaching. The 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 Washington football team had a hundred two hundred and fifty two yards at halftime. Washington, they had oh their season God. high in running for the year at halftime, 125 yards against this Cowboys D, and they're health, they're pretty healthy on the Cowboys D. So you know, th- let's not forget about that Cowboys D. Wow, gosh, I don't crazy. think I should have locked up the Cowboys this week. <laughs> oh my God. Mm. <laughs> hey, Eric, are you there? By the way, did we lose her again? I think. I think. Hi. Uh, no, this is. This is a periodic welfare check. Yep. Uh, if you're just joining Eddie the podcast. Eddie Spaghetti is here now. He oh, uh, came good. running he a, and Jada. He's a hunk of beef. Yeah, so spaghetti. Eddie was just outside checking the perimeter. I like it. Eddie brought in you Staten Island. You went in the apartment. got Staten Island in the house. Full investigation. Eddie's, Eddie's on the case. I'm glad that Eddie's in the building because that's a guy that I, I would trust. Well, there's nothing else. Nothing else in that apartment. All right, good. I just also want to make sure you're not like wandering around the city, handing drifters stun guns and lead pipes. And after what we saw earlier with the butcher knife being handed to the stranger at your yeah, door. no, I'm I'm very very properly scared. So Eddie and Jada well, I would also say there's the nothing in the apartment. He sounds like he maybe just moved in and he ordered a pizza because he's he has no groceries and so he maybe it's legit and he's a very nice person that needed a knife from you. Yeah, let's get shook over there. That's you know Eddie's. A nice piece piece of meat over there to, for protection, but let's welcome in Nick Shook, uh, uh, Erica, in a little bit of danger potentially. We're keeping an eye on it, Nick, but we're going to send you over if uh, we feel it to be necessary. Look, look, I don't go to the gym five days a week for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a piece of meat himself! All right, uh, Shook is with us uh, to continue with the highlights, and uh, here's a shootout, a fun game down at the Superdome. Joey Sly will attempt an NFL record 65-yard field goal. The kick's away. It is getting dangerously close and just short. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Zach Streif with the call for WWL. 65 yards. Dead red down the middle, but fell about two yards short of the crossbar. It was that close to NFL history, uh, but it didn't work out for the Panthers. And Joey Sly and Matt Rule who fall to 27-24 to the Saints. Uh, Drew Brees completed passes to eight different pass catchers, threw for 287 and two touchdowns, and added another score on the ground. That's three straight wins for the Saints. Shook, let's give New Orleans some credit here. They are shorthanded on offense, and they're still getting it done. Yeah, no Michael Thomas, and yet Drew Brees really spread the ball around really well. Or Manny Sanders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Deontay Harris had his first career touchdown catch today. Uh, He went to a number of different other different receivers. Uh, Alvin Kamara doing it again, of course, over 100 all-purpose yards for the seventh straight game, which is the longest active streak in the NFL. I mean, you know, this is the offense, even without the guys that we knew. You know, the, the names aren't there, but this is still the offense that we expected from the Saints and yeah, they only won by three points, but 
it was it was enough of a back and forth affair where when you stepped away from it afterward, you're like, that was a quality win. I mean, the Panthers, you know, they're not a team that we expected much from, but they're pretty competitive, and it was a competitive game today, so it still is a good win for the Saints. Well, it's also a game you look at, you know, the yardage, and it, the game's close, but the yardage isn't. The Saints move the ball a lot better, um, and that goes to, I think, the Panthers overachieving. But the Saints are deep, pretty deep, even though they're injured – and we get to Michael Thomas because I do I do want to talk about Michael Thomas, but they're pretty injured at, in various parts, but their lines are are getting healthy and like they're deep along those lines. And Marcus Davenport, who's back and healthy, had a huge sack to back up that Joey Sly field goal. And that to me, like mm. that, that has that's a huge moment in that game. Yeah, uh, I mean, there was only two sacks in the entire game, and and that was the biggest defensive play, I think, of the entire game. The other one was Brian Burns uh, forcing a fumble near the end of the first half, which led to a touchdown. And the Panthers, I mean, they took a 17-14 lead in the, in the second quarter and looked like, oh, they might pull this off. And and it was close throughout the game, but you're right. The Saints, you know, outgained them, and it was really them. It was really the Panthers finding a way to, to remain in the game late, and, you know, that, that sack kind of put them in a position where you already knew that was going to be the outcome. You're like, are they really going to do it? Is this really going to happen? But I will say, I'll give Joey Sly this. If Teddy Bridgewater doesn't take that sack, that's a tie game, and they're right. probably going to overtime. Because mm. that goal. field goal from 65 missed by about two feet. And th- we- this is a guy that was on the Corona list a few uh, some mm. days ago. Yeah, that's the start of the week. Um, Greg, you, I think you um, deserve credit for standing by Teddy Bridgewater during this offseason ramp up to the season. He, They moved the ball, uh, and they could put up big plays. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are now the only teammate duo in the NFL with 500-plus receiving yards through uh, week seven. Uh, entering uh, Sunday Night Football, uh, they th- this is not a dink and dunk. The average air yards per attempt um, <laughs> myth around Teddy Bridgewater has been proven false. Uh, so you know, listen, they're now three and two in five games without Christian McCaffrey. I believe they're playing Thursday night, and they're expected uh, to potentially get McCaffrey back. Uh, he has not played since week two. So I mean, you're signing up. Uh, you're you're signing up for three and four probably if you're Matt Rule, even though you're disappointed tonight. I got sandwiches on uh, Teddy having more yards than Josh Allen, which uh, I would have mm. I would have thought with Teddy's in like the top seven rate in passing yards, he'd be in good shape. But he's he is trailing, but he, he he's in that mix. I do think we should mention how weird this Michael Thomas thing is. I don't know what's going on here, dude. He was supposed to be back like three or four weeks ago. <laughs> dude gets in a fight and gets suspended before the bye week. Everyone thought he was going to play the week before. Then there's like rumblings. He returns to practice that he might get traded. Then there's Sean Payton going after someone on Twitter saying that's a bunch of nonsense. And I, I, I have found over the years when there's weird things coming out of New Orleans, it's for a reason. And usually when Sean Payton is going out of his way to deny things, uh, usually it's the Saints that are putting out that story in the first place. Like something, something's it's, weird it, here. You know, wide receivers are so tough sometimes because they're so volatile at times, personality-wise. And it, it seems to me with the smoke that's coming out of there is that this guy is causing issues behind the right. scenes. And are you not re- buying the the latest hamstring hamstring tweak? Then no, I I don't I know. Mean, he could be banged up, but I Mike Florio reported um, on NBC tonight. Uh, what you were just saying, Greg, that they kind of potentially were floating Thomas uh, before the trade deadline. And now this injury kind of has uh, thrown cold water on that. And uh, 
I mean, this guy set the all-time catch record last year. This it's guy crazy. has been the most productive wide receiver since Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah, Antonio Brown, another all-world talent that's uh, personality and off-the-field issues torpedoed his career until uh, recently now. I mean, it's, it is very interesting to see how this plays out, and it is weird that the injury stuff wrapped around the, uh, the punch. I mean, it's, they're also still like sneaky two months away from probably Drew Brees walking away and becoming the Notre Dame announcer and looking at themselves, at least on offense, in a pretty deep rebuild. I mean, he was healthy enough to be practicing uh, to get into a fight with the – I don't know. You know what I mean? And that was yeah. like three weeks ago. So it's just, Yeah, yeah it's but weird. Mark, does that, does that speak to – you think Michael Thomas couldn't handle the struggles of a rebuild or is it the fact that – because uh, like that guy, a guy at that age that who's that good of a receiver, you would want that to be one of your key pieces. Unless yeah, I you think you think would that... too. I mean, I'd be surprised if they trade him. But when you throw oh. in the fact that he's punching teammates, and that's the part of the story that we know, there might be the experience of Michael Thomas becoming a little bit too much for everyone. If, the, I, if there was ever a player that were to unfollow his team on Twitter and Instagram after an zero and two start with a new quarterback that's struggling in twenty twenty one, it is Michael Thomas. Maybe they're trying to get ahead of this. The unfollow. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Um, all right, let's move on. There was a um, there was a false alarm unfollowing on Twitter and Instagram uh, today of Harrison Smith and the Vikings. I want everyone to know that it was out there that Harrison Smith had unfollowed the Vikings on his social, but it then was later learned via reporting that he, in fact, had never followed the Vikings in the first place. <laughs> so everyone stand down. Dumb. Harrison Smith is not on his way out of Minnesota. Now we move on. Got to get that out there, Greg. Comes, throws right sideline for Guyton. Caught right sideline. 25, 20, 10. Guyton to the end zone. Touchdown, Chargers. Herbert to Guyton. 70 yards. Just too much speed. Matt Money Smith. Daniel Jeremiah. With the call, KYSR. Man, Money's got a, and, and DJ have a front row seat for something special here. Justin Herbert is a man on fire. The super rookie uh, went off uh, with another big passing game. Also set a Chargers rushing record for quarterbacks. Uh, four touchdowns, including that game winner to Jalen Guyton. 39-29 win over the Jags at Hollywood Park. Herbert finally gets that elusive first win. Uh, but we all know he's played well enough to win a bunch of games already. Shook, this kid looks like an instant star. This is a huge story in the league. You know, I was really startled. I mean, we, we follow the league from week to week, obviously, but I was just startled for a, a moment when I was watching the end of the game today and, and heard the broadcast say, and Justin Herbert officially has his first career win because you think he's been playing mm. well for a month. Like that type of performance from a quarterback usually leads to victories. And yet the Chargers have found ways to lose and, and have, you know, had some close calls. So I was like, wow, that really is his first career win, but it's, it's the first of many. I mean, it, it, at this point, the, some of the passes that he threw today were just absolute dimes, and he seems to be getting better with more experience week by week. It's kind of in the mold of Joe Burrow, but Burrow looked better from the start, I think, or has been, I don't know if they started, he was here and he keeps going up. Um, but they're both improving on a weekly basis, and it's really exciting to watch, and especially for a Chargers team that, I mean, when, when we entered this season, we didn't know what they were getting out of him. They kind of took Justin Herbert because he was the guy after Tua, and they had Tyrod as the bridge quarterback, and 
you didn't know when Herbert was going to see the field at all. There were some thought that he wouldn't see the field at all this season. And yet he comes out and he's playing like a, like a stud. So it's really exciting. The thing that is interesting to me is like you watch his touchdown run, which was, I mean, his arm set up that run because they, Mm -hmm. they didn't know what to do with him. And it's like, okay. I mean, from a team planning angle, they wanted Tyrod Taylor to red shirt this season for Herbert because also he's um, an Anthony Lynn favorite because he's a mobile scrambler and, and fun on the ground. It's like, sorry, Justin Herbert can do basically anything on the ground that Tyrod Taylor today is going to do for you. And he can do a billion more things through the air. I just wonder how they scouted him beforehand. I mean, to the eye, he is a complete wonder. Well, you got to I mean, play it. I don't, you can't know until they're in the games, I feel like. Yeah, we I say mean, that, but when, when coaches say, like, we will, we love this guy in practice, yeah. like, that's why Colin Kaepernick is replacing Alex Smith. It's like, oh, well, coaches are with him all week long. So it's kind of like you could bend it any way you want. I mean, well, you think they've, they struggled to evaluate. Just how awkward is it for Daniel Jeremiah having to call these games? I'm sure he's like interviewing with Justin Herbert and he has to be like, oh, sorry, bro. I had you ranked 20th in my uh, top 50 rankings behind Andrew Thomas, oh. uh, struggling weekly behind mm. Kenneth Murray. And I don't think so. so. in your world, DJ behind is bringing Russ, that up in conversation. Ross, I, well, I mean, Herbert knows. I mean, DJ he, just stewing great, during doing the a, color analyst. He's a great that pays attention. Behind Ross uh, Blacklock, I don't even know if he won in the first two rounds. Um, graded behind all those guys, and here's one of the greatest quarterbacks we, as a rookie we've ever seen. <laughs> what, a, what a hit piece by uh, Rosenthal there. Yeah, I, I condone that was it. Fun. That was fun. Um, anything else on this game, Shook, well, other I think, than uh, the Herbert uh, mastery? Well, on the Herbert point, I think the one thing that has helped him so far is he's doing a lot of the things that he did well at Oregon, including running. I mean, anybody remembers that Rose Bowl win that he closed his Oregon career with? I mean, that's a, a prime example of basically what has helped him through the first, you know, five weeks that he's played football in the NFL. So, I, you know, I, I think it, you're right on uh, not figuring out where these guys are headed, but at the same time, they get out there and just kind of do what they know. Uh, Jacksonville wise, there was some rumbling about Gardner Minshew, right? Um, uh, is he going to lose his job? Uh, hmm. he, he was okay. I mean, he had a couple touchdown passes today, 173 yards. He kept him in the game, but then it was the same Gardner Minshew outcome at the end. Fourth and two, he gets the conversion. Fourth and eight, he misses an open uh, DJ Shark by five yards. And, and that was basically the ball game. So your ceiling is low. Sure, it's exciting from time to time. But these Jaguars, we know they're not really going anywhere. They're going to play Mike, Mike Glennon? Glennon? What right. is going on? No, how, is a co- how is a head right. coach today floating that story out there to our reporters saying that we're going to, we're, we've made a decision that Mike Glennon will give us a better chance? When they're down, the coaches. When they're down 39 29 and they need, you know, points. Uh, when he's trying to push the ball downfield, you could see the frustration on the receivers on the two misses he had there. You know, I think he's just a limited guy when you have to open it up a little bit. But uh, they're certainly in the tank for Trevor Sweepstakes at one and six now off six straight losses. Now, Sunday Night Football. A 69-minute and 45-second game. It is the only time that Arizona's had the lead. Al Michaels with the call for NBC. Zane Gonzalez atones for his error at the end of regulation 
when he shanked a 41-yarder, hitting the 48-yarder in OT. Arizona Cardinals 37, Seattle Seahawks 34 in a thriller. The Cardinals improved to 5-2. and two. The Seahawks finally lose their first game of the year. They fall to 5-1. and one. Uh, Shook, this one was wild. The, the Seahawks seemed to have it in hand. They were up 34-24 with less than six minutes to play. Uh, they are unable to close the game out on defense. No surprise there. And then unable to take advantage of uh, their opportunities when Russell Wilson was on the field. Yeah, it felt like once uh, the scramble to get it to second and short at the two-minute warning, it was basically like, well, you know, they get this first down and it's all but over. And then, you know, Arizona gets the stop and suddenly you have a ball game. But even at that point, the Cardinals still had to go down the field. I mean, it, there was there was it was such an unlikelihood. I haven't looked at the the probability metric on for next gen in this well, game, but I'm sure I'm sure, that just, up. <laughs> I'm sure it just yeah. shot down because like uh, this was <laughs> this was unlikely. This was definitely unlikely. But uh, I mean, it speaks to the moxie and the the ability of of a young guy like Kyler Murray to be able to lead it, and also to Larry Fitzgerald for getting the ball to the center in order for them to snap in time. So oh, people love that. Various people love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I mean, more a little unlikely. It was insane. How did they? They blew the Seahawks. Blew this game a thousand different ways. The Cardinals, you know, tried to um, in overtime a couple different times too. But there were so many parts of this game that was that were absolutely insane. It reminds me of the inverse of that six six Cardinals Seahawks game, uh, which happened mm. when I was in London and you guys weren't. And I remember it ended at like five in the morning and there was a debate <laughs> all year. Was that like the worst game of the year or the best oh, game? And like this, this one tonight, it was sloppy as hell, but it was the best game of the year. And I go back um, like to that overtime period uh, or what set it up rather. And the decision from Pete Carroll, and you mentioned uh, Nick Shook, that Russell Wilson scrambled to set up a second and short where all they need is two yards to to finish off the game and the first run loses yardage and I and I was I remember thinking like are they gonna have the guts to throw the ball here because if they throw the ball here they're gonna win the game and I don't kill them for running it there but you went run 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 in that spot you went backwards in the end it was like the only time all year where they didn't have the guts and Kyler Murray uh, directs one of the craziest uh late minute regulation drives I've ever seen 54 seconds where they had two designed runs. They spiked it twice, three different times. Uh, you never seen something like that. And it was really like courageous and smart. And then Cliff Kingsbury did as much as he could in overtime to make us think they're not necessarily courageous and smart. Well, <laughs> or in, or in regulation, because I mean, you know, had that gone down poorly for the Cardinals, you've got the talking point, that Zane Gonzalez kicked the would-be uh, game-winning but would-be not game-winning field goal on second down, which, I mean, it's amazing that what you, with especially with the kickers, like the last thing they do is all we remember, and it wipes out all these other storylines. Um, but I will say, I will footnote this by saying that I thought that one of the biggest things that, that Arizona did in regulation in the overtime period was um, getting to Russell Wilson. That Byron Murphy sack was huge. I mean, coming off a regulation period that saw them you know, combined for 982 yards. The minute this game, um, the minute that the Bucks Raiders was moved out of this slot and oh, yeah. in Arizona, Seattle got moved in. Um, we've been through this enough. A mental note um, rolled through my mind that said, you will be up uh, at least an extra hour and 20 minutes than you would have been up. <laughs> um, Cliff Kingsbury, I'm sure they'll have a victory Monday. On Tuesday morning at the team meeting, he should have 
Rolex watches for everyone on the Arizona defense <laughs> for bailing his ass out uh, on this game. Because, yeah, I, I could not get over it. And I couldn't believe Alan Chris, who are usually so locked in on things, were, didn't even make any note of it that he settled for the 41-yard field goal on, on second, second down, down right. after so a five-yard loss. It was a reminder uh, that head coaches can lose their nerve, too in a really big spot. And I think that's what happened. uh, Sorry. I think that's what happened here. Uh, He, they lost five on a run and he just said, okay, send Zane out there. (laughs) He lost his mind. And you, and what you, what he really failed to realize is that the Seattle defense was gassed. Even Collinsworth was making note of it, that these guys were done. And all you had to do is run it. You're probably going to, the dam was going to break either for a game ending touchdown or for another five, 10, 15 yards. Instead, he brings out Gonzalez and he misses the kick. But yeah, I was really surprised. So good job by the Arizona defense for, like Mark said, getting to Wilson in overtime and at the end of regulation. And in general, Seattle's offense, which has been so unstoppable, uh, they end the game going punt, punt, interception. Uh, that was not expected either. And the yeah. interception was crazy. Like, they didn't really discuss that either because Isaiah Simmons, uh, a top 10 pick who's barely played this year, he played under five snaps tonight, and one of those snaps was that interception because Arizona was so injured by then. Russell Wilson just threw that to no one. There was no receivers anywhere remotely here. The pressure was coming, and and they had blitzed him. And Vance Joseph, give him – Give him some credit for coming up with these crazy blitzes in overtime. They just cooked him up. Russ was cooked. Like, he lost his mind a little bit. I I wrote down – I don't want to go on too long, but this game was so insane. I just, like, wrote down – I was starting to, like, you know, write down, like, a top five plays from this game because this game was so incredible. And then it got longer and longer. Here are the things that – this in no order, but here are things that happened in this game. Uh, Kyler Murray being cool enough to smile when he sees – sees Hopkins one-on-one and then throw a touchdown to him. The three Russell Wilson throws to Lockett were all insane. The one-hander to start the game was one of the best catches of the year. The bomb touchdown was ridiculous. And the, and the touchdown on fourth down to Lockett was just like that two-point conversion in the, in the NFC Championship. That alone was amazing. The Kyler Murray scramble touchdown where he just, you know, Juke them out of their shorts uh, was outrageous. The Kyler drive we mentioned uh, to force overtime. Ky- Kingsbury's brain fart. Simmons's uh, interception, and then almost the the biggest thing was I thought the Seahawks won on a on a game winning touchdown in overtime <laughs> right. that was overturned by you a penalty. I, what right. an insane game! And you didn't even mention mention the Benson Mayo unsportsmanlike conduct that took I mean, the field goal off the board and allowed Arizona to get the touchdown instead. That then set up the game tying field goal at the end of regulation. I mean that's Seattle has been dancing with the devil all season. I think with their defense. And they've gotten away with it a couple games. It finally came back to haunt them, too. I think that's something to take out of this game as well, that they're going to remain vulnerable, uh, even with a great Russell Wilson, as long as this defense cannot make stands. Yeah, you know, you bring, the Vents of My Oath thing is huge because we could point scapegoats out of a bunch of different people here. I mean, we could we could go to, to Brian Schottenheimer for calling. Not only did they go run, 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 and you're fine with that, Greg, and I was fine with that too. They called the same play three times. It was a stretch run to the right three times. You think the mm. third time they might actually uh, anticipate a little bit and try to shoot the gap, which is exactly <laughs> what they did, stuffing him in the hole. I mean, Carlos Hyde's not a guy who necessarily gets stuffed like that. They knew that was coming. And and so you, you could point him as a scapegoat. It could be Maioa as a scapegoat. It could go down the line. But I think the one thing that really stands out to me about this entire game is it centers on Kyler Murray, and it centers on the fact that 
he's been doing this like like scrambling for the touchdown for example it's almost a near weekly thing now i mean this is something that he's I don't know if you would say added to his arsenal or whatever, but it's something that's helping their offense reach that next level. But what we haven't seen him do is do it in a position like tonight where he had to go down the field, where he had to leave a drive, lead a drive like that. And they had to execute on every single play and yep. found a way to, and, and I don't know if this is really a, a turning point for them, but it's really encouraging because we had some high hopes for them. They kind of, you know, they hit a lull early in the season. They're coming on strong now, and, and it's it's a lot of fun. Well, we yeah. called it a doorway game on Thursday, and I, I that's my word for it because, I, I and, and Nick, I thought the same thing about Cleveland facing, like, Pittsburgh. Like, you go through that doorway, you show that you can get through, then we think about you differently. And I, I think about, the, you know, I know that they beat Seattle last year, but that's last year. I mean, this this after the after a you know a two or three week sort of semi funk where I wasn't sure what to think about Arizona's offense. I come out of this completely different. I thought this game also was a study in variance because how different football games can be. Like we talked about the Cardinal, the the Carolina New uh, New Orleans game had fourteen possessions, seven each. That's kind of unusual. This had. 25 possessions. I mean, wow. and it looked like it to the point where if you were one, the lost soul being asked to write the what we learned for this, I would have, <laughs> I would have like literally run out of the building at this point because I don't do well with those things. And there was like 75 different plot points, please. Um, That's a shout out to Grant Gordon, who's writing this. Thank you, Grant, Grant. Gordon. One of the great guys on the desk at NFL.com. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's only a handful of special quarterbacks in the league, and we got to see two of them tonight. Uh, just a wild game. Uh, all right. That's week Seven, Sunday. Look at us. Look at us. Almost mid-season now. We're flying along. Uh, coming up this week on uh, the Around the NFL podcast, we're going to dive deep with the uh, trade deadline coming up. Uh, on Tuesday show, we'll have our preview for week eight, of course, and then the NFL Network program, which you should uh, DVR or watch live Saturday mornings uh, every week. So check that out. Shook, thank you as always. Yep. And now we're all going, including Shook, who's uh, it's very late in downtown Cleveland, but he's going to hop on a red eye and we're all going to go straight to Ricky Hollywood's apartment to protect her. So we are, we're just getting started tonight. Ricky, we're coming for you, baby. Yeah. For a little update, um, the person does not live there. Texted the landlord. The cops have been here. It's been quite the quite the Sunday night uh, escapade. We're going to yeah. form a human wall. Uh, that's why I'm coming out. I'm going to be in the middle or, or on the edge. No, me and Dan will be in the edge. Greg yeah. and Mark in the middle. Yeah. And, and, and what we'll do is a knife. Why am I in the middle the of the sides. wall? I'm just going to yell at them, like annoy them. until and our, our shields will <laughs> be frozen. Work. Our shields will be frozen pizzas. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right, Ricky. Wrong. Stay safe in all uh, seriousness. Um, all right. This is Dan Hansa signing off for. Oh, we I, I asked uh, the listeners to come up with a, a nickname for Nick Shook. I'm going to debut it next Sunday night. So just stay tuned on that one. So uh, Stan Hans is signing off for the unshakable Nick Shook, the quiet storm, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood in West Hollywood. Stay safe. R.I.P. Until Tuesday. Don't, don't spit this boy.
You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.